Hello, and welcome to this episode of the ISI Life podcast. Iron sharpens iron comes from Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And really what we're trying to do with this organization is to help people do things God's way. We have our big five Fs, which are faith, family, faculty, finance, and fitness. And really what we're doing with this podcast and through the retreats and other things is helping people put faith at the center and how putting faith at the center can help us achieve excellence in those other areas of our life. And this podcast is just one way to help you do that. Uh, I wanted to share another uh, verse or two around the concept of what we're doing. And the first one is Ecclesiastes 10.10. 10. It says, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. That is really capturing what we're trying to do here. Uh, you can work super hard and you can add more strength. But if you just sharpen your blade a little bit, um, you're going to go a lot easier. And that's really what we're doing by talking to these people and putting on retreats is to help us um, sharpen our edge. And then last was Proverbs 28, 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. And we get the amazing opportunity to talk with people that have wisdom. These are everyday people. Some people are authors, some are speakers, but a lot of the people who are speaking and sharing with ISI are everyday people that you wouldn't uh, cross paths with, but each of them has wisdom. And today, our speaker, John Hansel, is no different. He is an amazing guy. Uh, he spoke at our most recent Columbus retreat. He's a husband, he's a dad, he's an author, he's a chaplain, he's a founder, he's a CEO, an inventor, a pastor, uh, and the list goes on and on. And I'm probably missing many more. And I'm excited to dive into our conversation today around faith, and his talk was A Heart for Home. So we'll get into that in a second. And just before we do, I wanted to make sure everybody knew about the website, theisilife.com. This is really where we house everything. Uh, it has all of our past podcasts and tools on each of our five Fs that you can reference at any time for free. Just go check it out. There's lots of things on there that might help you with uh, the thing that is maybe most pressing to you right now. Uh, we also have dates for all of our upcoming retreats in the different cities that we have chapters. So check those out. There's only um, one in the spring and one in the fall, and there's only a limited number of spots. We do keep them small. So if what we're doing is of interest to you and you want to come join us for a 24-hour retreat, uh, I would recommend getting on that RCP list uh, sooner than later before they sell out. And then last but not least, one thing we started to help people connect was Stay Sharp Saturdays, which is a one-hour free online Zoom call. There's usually uh, 25 to 35 people that are on that call. We bring in a speaker and we rotate through each of the five steps each month. So for instance, this Saturday, we're talking about family and how to be you know, a, a world-class dad and a world-class father. And uh, we just get people connecting, sharing ideas, um, all rooted in, in the Bible. And so if you want to join us, those are free. They're the first Saturday of each month. So hope to see you on one of those. Uh, without further ado, we'll jump to this conversation with John Hansel Jr. John, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I'm excited to dive into the topic of faith and hear your your take on it. And so thanks for being with us today. Are you kidding? This is my privilege. I am so <laughs> grateful to be a part of this. Thank you. I love what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to you know learn from you and um, as we've learned from others. So for those of us that don't you know really have a background with you, why don't you give us a little uh your background on who you are and your background and uh, bring us up to current state. Well, you know, I, I think I ought to start with the thought that uh, this amazing thought that 
all of my parents, I mean, both my parents and both of my wife's parents, um, all four of them came to Christ the same night at a Billy Graham crusade, independent of each other in 1963. So, so, um, it, it was uh, when I was 11 that I trusted Christ. I heard the gospel for the first time and uh, and uh, <laughs> was uh, introduced to grace. I thought yeah. I thought I was a believer because because uh, of the good works that I was living out in my life at the time because I was a good boy, you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, and someone shared Ephesians 2 eight and nine with me for grace by grace you're saved through faith. And, uh, and I never looked back. In fact, um, I led my first Bible study at age 14 for, for the other class officers in, uh, at Jones junior high. And that grew <laughs> within a couple of weeks to 80, um, uh, folks that were gathering and then 150 kids several weeks after that. And eventually, um, I was even recruited at Ohio state, the coach, uh, the coach recruited me. He was a believer, a follower of Jesus. That uh, uh, when we were, he was all done making his pitch. He said, uh, "He said, well, um, the real reason I'd like you to come to Ohio State is is because uh, you love Jesus, and I'd like you to lead your teammates to Christ." Which wow. so yeah, amazing <laughs> to get a, a scholarship for. Uh, for knowing Jesus. Then, oh God, uh, that's awesome. Susie and I, uh, married as we, we were teenage sweethearts. We, we've been dating for 45 years and married for 39 and, uh, grew up a block and a half from each other. And we were married soon after college. And I have two daughters and three grandkids. And, and that's, that's the story. That's my, my background. That is awesome. And uh, what are you doing now? What's what consumes most of your your time and energy? Well, um, I'm a pastor slash chaplain for the for the Ohio State House, uh, the legislators at uh, the Ohio State House. Hmm. Um, I started off with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, spent a couple years at Dallas Theological Seminary, getting my master's, came back here to work on my doctoral studies at the Ohio State University and was a pastor for a while and um, had a had a business to support ministry. Uh, I've got uh, six um, uh, pediatric medical device patents that uh, that I developed over the years and uh, sold that company in 97. And, and during that time, I met a ministry called Search. And uh, I've put on, in the area, in the greater Columbus area, I've put on uh, over a couple hundred of these search parties, we call them. They're open forum discussions that I facilitate, that giving reason for hope to the questions that people have, uh, pre-believers have. And, and uh, that brings me up to, to uh, the present, here we are. Uh, when I was asked to be this this chaplain, given the that is, of that, so wow, that's what I was. You know, I love about ISI as we were talking about just earlier. 
that, you know, I don't know that you and I would have connected if it wasn't for, yeah. you know, ISI being a thing and the people, you yeah. know, down in Columbus and connecting us here. Yeah. So I'm really thankful for that. And I get the, I get the special privilege to connect with pretty much anybody who speaks at a retreat. So, um, yeah. tell and me about got, your, your, you got Jordan yeah, Acker your, as a friend too. So oh yeah, I know <laughs> that's, that's a premium. He's the, he's a center of influence. That's for sure. Yes, he is. He's a great guy. So what was your take and experience you've put on, you know, hundreds, you've put on way more events than we've put on. Um, but I'm curious your, you know, your take on ISI as you got a chance to be there firsthand. Oh, I'll tell you what, anytime men get together, I, I, I'm really not a sexist, but, (laughs) but, uh, to be able to focus on men like that Mm -hmm. and to bring them together and friendship and build friendships, uh, and then around the faith from the scriptures, uh, I don't, I don't think there's anything better. Mm. That's a great joy. Yeah, it really, really has been a powerful thing, you know, in my life, and hopefully many others too. I'll bet. Well, I'm excited that you definitely bring so much experience in the topic of faith, which is um, one of our five Fs, and really the one that we put at the center of, you know, what we call the wheel of life. The other, mm-hmm. other, um, the other four. F's and um, how having a strong faith can, you know, make us exceptional and help us succeed in those other areas. So I'm excited to gather your wisdom and, and share it with the ISI community. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how wise it is, but <laughs> but uh, you know the Lord can intervene and make anything possible. So <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you were asked to talk on faith, and the yeah. title of your talk was "The Heart for Home." Yeah. How did you land there? Well, um, it's, it's, it's the heart of my ministry. And uh, uh, you guys actually gave me the opportunity to, to speak on something that I'm, I'm really passionate about. Mm. Um, uh, the heart, our heart that was made for home with, with, with the Lord. Something that we lost in the garden in the fall and uh, have been struggling with ever since that loss of that. And, and, uh, well, that, that was the reason for, for going in that direction. Mm-hmm. And so you start off with the question of where is home? So where is home? There yeah. it is. So let's go there. Well, I, I'm convinced that all of us begin life lost, uh, apart from, uh, the Lord, that each of us has a hole in his heart. And that uh, from that hole, everyone's looking for a satisfying life. That's that's uh, what we live for. Mm-hmm. And and I believe that in that hole that was left over from the connection of love that we were intended to have with God, that spiritual life with God, I believe also in there is this this homing device, mm-hmm. which is um, well, I, I explain it with four ultimate unanswerable questions that 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 require every single living human being to live by faith origin destiny meaning and morality origin where did we come from no one can go one nanosecond back on the other side of the big bang come back and tell us where we came from and even if they did we'd have to trust it by faith no one can uh, travel to the other side of death 
um, and and come back with the exception of Lazarus and Jesus. Um, uh, even if they did, we'd have to trust it by faith. And and and, and no one can tell you or me uh, what our meaning is in life. Um, if I were to tell you this is the purpose for your life, you were you'd be appropriate to say, "Who do you think you are, God?" Mm-hmm. And then morality. These are the ultimate questions of life that everybody must answer by faith, and and that becomes the the basis of our worldview, the way we see life. And and um, I go to the Bible. The theistic biblical worldview. I, I, I'm uh, I'm justified in my conviction. I believe of, of mm-hmm. certitude that 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 God has revealed Himself in the Word, and uh, and according to the Word, well, Psalm ninety verse one it says, "Lord, you have been our dwelling place through all generations. You are our dwelling place." Where's home? Our home isn't a place. Our home is a person. Um, by God's grace, our home is with Jesus. Um, that's that's pretty much what I was trying to get across with that portion of the uh, the message. No, well, that's powerful. And so you talked about the journey, which was kind of like the next major section of how you know how how should we live um, if we're if we're Going home. Yeah. How do we live? How do we live? Yeah. And God's given us his answer in history and his story. We call the Bible and, and right at the middle of it, um, the critical climax of his story is Jesus crucifixion. Um, uh, And the night before in the upper room, the night before his crucifixion, he makes this, audacious apogee, this audacious claim, this audacious announcement that he makes of John 13, 34. He says, "Um, a new command I give to you. And when he says that, remember there at the time, there are 613 Old Testament laws that he's referring to that are considered canonized. They're considered the Bible. And he's making this audacious claim. He's saying, a new command I give you. In other words, the great commands of Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, Jesus is saying, you've never seen anybody live like that until now. You've seen it in me. The second greatest command, love your neighbor as yourself. You've never seen it before until now. So he makes this new command, love others as I have loved you. Then a week later, after his resurrection, um, he calls his disciples up to this place that he tells them to go on a mountain in Galilee. And he makes this claim, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. And that becomes the reason, the meaning for our existence. Um, Mm. This is why he brings us into the world. Um, This is what the whole plan is all about. And uh, this is about 
um, leading people one step at a time closer into Jesus' love. Hmm. And to you, is that the the simplest form of what discipleship is, bringing people one step closer yes. to Jesus? Yes, yes. In fact, um, the question and answer time afterwards, I was so glad that that question came up and we were able to focus on it. Um, making disciples, to make disciples, it implies a process. It's uh, someone, people don't come to Christ. They don't choose Christ in an isolated decision. They don't cross over from death to life in a single decision. The truth is we make a lot of many decisions on our way into Christ. And uh, I, I, uh, one of the things I live to do is, is demonstrate what that process looks like and, and then how we're to meet people in the love of Christ where they are, being relevant to them where they are and helping them take the next step into Jesus' love. Even when they cross over into Jesus, we're to be making disciples, building them to the place where ultimately we're co-laboring together for this uh, purpose of making disciples. Have you, uh, on that topic of, you know, following a process, um, I've been through something that we used, uh, I think it's a CBMC tool called Operation Timothy. Oh, and it, you know, it's so good. Familiar good with that? Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I went through it myself, um, yep. you know, for a couple of years and then um, had the opportunity to go through it with others. Have you, any other tools that you've used along the way or do you kind of just ad hoc and go as you go or do you have a, a go-to uh, tool? That's so interesting you ask that. I, <laughs> um, first of all, um, the CBMC material, um, there's no reason to recreate, uh, to reinvent that wheel. They, yeah. They've done an excellent job. And that would be the first place I'd point someone. But um, uh, I, I heard my first um, inkling of this notion of making disciples my dad, my dad, when I was a teenager, I was a weird, weird teenager. Um, uh, my dad would <laughs> hand me these, these cassette tapes of Christian speakers. Okay. And, and uh, I listened to Dr. Howard Hendricks out of Dallas Theological Seminary, which, by the way, when I listened to him, I thought, that's the seminary I want to go to. But, hmm. but the first tape I ever listened to was his talk on discipleship. And I thought, that's what I need. And I went to my pastor. <laughs> I went to my pastor. This is in the 70s. Uh, the, the movement of discipleship that's taken hold, I believe, since then wasn't the case then. I went to my pastor and I said, would you disciple me? And, and he said, well, John, I do that every Sunday. In, in other words, meaning when I preach. <laughs> I disciple you, which is a part of discipleship, but but it's not the relational thing to which Jesus called us and gave us an example of. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, so from that point on, I, I finally found uh, uh, someone that would disciple me. And, uh, and to this day, I make sure I've got someone that's ahead of me in life um, that's helping me grow to the next step. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, because it's it's the meaning of our existence for now. 
you know, even to this day where you're you're far on your journey of understanding and your relationship, but you're still seeking someone yes, absolutely. to pull you along. Yeah. Absolutely. And I have a I have a mentor friend, but uh, not every week, but most weeks we go on a walk together and for the sake of accountability and holding mm. each other to this task and, and, uh, Very well, cool. it's, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just gonna ask this question cause I, yeah. I think it comes up or maybe people think about it or maybe it's just me, but so, you know, we're called to be disciples mm-hmm. and, um, that's, you know, that's a whole, that may be a, something people are comfortable with that may be way outside people's comfort zone. If, you know, if I'm, in the ISI community, you know, I have, I have a personal relationship, you know, with Jesus, I'm going to church, I lead my family. Um, and now, you know, in addition to that, I also have to be making disciples of other people. Just maybe help us think through, you know, what, what that, you know, I know you just talked about what it could look like and what the relationship yeah. could look like, but um, I guess, you know, is, is not, is doing all those things and not being a disciple maker not enough um, just kind of speak to that in terms of, you know, how much is, you know, uh, right or maybe at different seasons well, in your life. What's what's appropriate? A disciple, Do you know what I'm getting, you, you yes, know what I'm getting at? Yes, I okay. think so. A disciple is literally a follower of Christ. So in essence, it's impossible to call yourself a genuine biblical Christian without being a disciple And we're all invited into this process of making disciples. So as a dad, if you're going to marry that woman, you're Mm -hmm. committing. You're committing to being co-disciplers of each other. Mm. Um, If you have children, you've made a commitment to, to help them grow through life in Christ, to make disciples. And I, I believe beyond that, that every relationship we have with anybody, um, it's it's a, a, a divine appointment, an opportunity to love people as Jesus loved us, mm-hmm. helping them take one step closer to Jesus. And I do think that we're supposed to have concentrated relationships uh, with pre-believers um, and with believers um, and, uh, helping them make their move as as Paul said to Timothy, uh, um, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's awesome. I don't know. So, did I answer the question? Yeah, totally. I think it's you know it doesn't have to be um, outside of the your home. I mean, I think that's a big part of it is, you know, Amen. with your, with your wife, with your kids, with, it's you know, top um, yes. your other family, nieces, nephews, other family members that are, you know, in your, in your path already, um, as opposed to someone you don't know, you know, I think that's great too, but I think sometimes it's easy to overlook, you know, hey, in your backyard. I take it so seriously that, um, I published a, uh, a little book called The Good News, Love Makes Life Possible. And I did it for posterity. I um, Thankfully, the Capital Commission people have, have uh, printed 5,000 of them, so I've got plenty of them. But um, I did it for posterity because I'm thinking even my great, great, great grandkids, mm-hmm. I, I want them to know why I walked the face of the earth. 
and I'm and I'm hope I'm hoping and praying that they all know Jesus. They all come to this place of crossing over from death to life, as Jesus said. That's awesome. Very cool. So m- moving on to the next section, you really talked yeah. about um, was well, okay. So we get there. Uh, we make it home. So what does that right. look like? What what should, what should we expect when we actually get home? Yeah. And, <laughs> and this is this is the controversial point that I wanted to make. Um, people, I think that we arrogantly, pridefully focus on what we're gonna get when we get home. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go after that. Um, Genesis fifteen one to two. God says to Abraham, I am your shield and your very great reward. Um, Hebrews 11, 6, um, it says that God is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him, seeking him. He's the reward. So I asked the men, um, as they're stepping into our eternal home, what are you expecting? A city over which you rule and reign? Um, is your heart longing for achievement and power? <laughs> or maybe you're hoping for a pile of treasures like gold and silver and costly stones in heaven. Would you be satisfied then? Um, why do you need these? Why would we need these if we're given as the father in the prodigal sons says, Everything by our Heavenly Father. Everything mine is yours, he says. And uh, what what if we get home and our reward is just Jesus? (laughs) And I asked them, would that be disappointing? Hmm. And we we read uh, uh, Jesus' parable from Matthew 20, and uh, where... Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner that goes out and he hires workers for his vineyard. He goes out early in the morning. He agrees to pay them a denarius for the day. Then he goes back at nine and found, finds a bunch of people that he can hire. And he, he, he commits to paying them a denarius. He goes out back at noon and finds others and invites them to work in his vineyard. And then at three o'clock and five o'clock and when evening comes at sunset, um, he says to his foreman, uh, it's time to, to pay the workers. And um, he pays them in reverse order. So the workers who were hired at five in the afternoon, they came and they received their denarius. And when they come, and those that come that uh, were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them receives a denarius. And when they receive it, they start to grumble against this landowner. Um, uh, they, they say, uh, these people that were hired last worked only an hour. You've made them equal to us that have borne the burden of the work. And uh, he answers them, I'm, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? And then he goes, I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. And he goes, are you envious because I'm generous? <laughs> and Jesus mm-hmm. closes it out by saying, 
the last will be first and the first will be last. And when you think that through, that's a leveler. Um, the last are first, the first are last. You can't tell the difference between them. Would that be enough for you to just get generous Jesus? Uh, and if he's not enough for you, what would be? Which is kind of a scary question. Is there something more you're after? And what would that be? Uh, the scriptures say in Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Well, love for whom? Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant will be. What more could you want? Where else do you mm -hmm. want to find yourself? Mm -hmm. um, that was that was the question I left them with. Hmm. That's powerful. I don't know that in any of our talks we've really gone to that before, but what does that actually well, look like? Yeah. What, is, yeah. what does home look like? What does heaven look like? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think it's all those other things too. But, uh, but I think it, it, we're finally, this is the fulfilling life that Jesus talked about. We're finally um, in glory. The, the salvation process is finished. And, uh, and we are back in love, the love relationship for which we were created um, from the beginning. That's what wow. God's plan was. Powerful. That's awesome. So, you know, um, I guess on that topic of, you know, one of the things you guys chatted about, and I'm curious to, you know, just have you, you know, hear it firsthand, but on that topic of what you want to hear your Savior say, you know, when you are home, yeah. um, you're there, you're home, you're experiencing yeah. that love. Um, you know, that was one of the questions you asked. So what do you want <laughs> to hear your Savior say? I, I think... I think if we honestly think about it, mm -hmm. everybody wants to hear the same things. First and foremost, I believe everybody will be very, very happy when we hear Jesus say, welcome home. I don't know if you know who Chuck Swindoll is, uh, but he preached a sermon mm -hmm. a while back and he very humbly said, when I get to heaven, three things will surprise me. The number of people that aren't there that I thought would be there. Hmm. The number of people that are there that I thought wouldn't be there. <laughs> and then he humbly says, and that I'm there. There's something about when faith becomes sight that I think, I think we're really going to want to hear, welcome home, to know hmm. that it's complete. But then the second thing that every heart wants to hear, and this is why we're committed to this life of sanctification, um, giving ourselves abiding in Jesus so that he can recreate his life in us, because everybody wants to hear next, well done, my good and faithful servant, my good and faithful servant. Welcome home. Well done. And what do you feel would justify the saying of well done? <laughs> well, <laughs> I go back to that Galatians 5, 6 verse. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is reiterated by Paul over and over again. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 
Well, what kind of love are we talking about? The audacious uh, announcement that all authority in heaven and earth makes uh, just before his crucifixion to love others as I've loved you. And what does that mean? Uh, essentially, it's it's this business of making disciples, which, which uh, uh, for those pre-believers means um, doing evangelism. And for those believers, it means uh, encouraging their faith. And all along the way, it's it's helping people to take the next step in the direction of Jesus. Even if it, if it means the witness of your life, um, you know, as believers, we can even make great mistakes and will make great mistakes. And yet, if we come back with humble repentance and we go to people and we say, you know what, I really screwed up. Will you forgive me? We're being an example of Jesus, even in the negative form, as Jesus brings us back to himself. Uh, these are powerful statements of our witness, helping people make it to the next step in Jesus and his love. Hmm. There you go. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, do I hope so. That's, That's awesome. what I want to hear. Is that how you uh, order your steak, too? <laughs> no, Just I don't. No, I get it very rare. <laughs> We're, we'll wait to use those words. Right, right, right. We're saving right. those ones. That's awesome. No, I appreciate you going through that um, powerful talk. You know, that's one of the coolest things about um, ISI is, you know, yeah. just I don't know that, you know, that you and I would have connected. I'm not sure the people that in Columbus may or may not have been crossed your path, but you know, your wisdom and your experience and being able to share this message um, is an oh, extremely man. powerful thing. So thank it's, you for going true. through that. It's, 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 it is all about Jesus love. It's so. awesome. What about for you um, in your outside your talk, just uh, for you, what, what brings you the most joy? Um, well, it goes without saying that, you know, Jesus death on my behalf. And, but, mm -hmm. but um, I'm very grateful um, for his gift of my love for the scriptures. I, I don't remember a time from the day that I trusted Christ that I haven't uh, just really felt the Spirit's power through studying his scriptures. And, and I, it brings me great joy uh, when the Spirit uses me to lead someone into a new relationship with Messiah Jesus. That's, that's a, uh, a powerful reinforcing uh, experience for me. Paul said to Philemon, I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith. And then he says, so that you would have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. And, and uh, that's been my experience. Uh, joy, definitely the 44 years of dating my wife. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then being dad to my daughters and pop up to, to three grandchildren. Wow. Uh, and you know what? I love telling a good story. It's a mm -hmm. lousy day if I don't have a story to tell Susie at the end of it. And, <laughs> and, and, and if it's a funny story, it's even better. So, <laughs> and you, you obviously, you know, voices too, right? You got some good voices. Yes, I have voices. I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, this is just prideful of me, but I'm the voice of Schmitz. 
the Schmitz, Schmitz Sausage House. Andy Schmidt's my best buddy. He's my accountability buddy. Um, so uh -oh. it, it, it goes like this. Real German food, Schmitz. <laughs> <laughs> so a little advertisement for Andy there. That's amazing. <laughs> that is awesome. I was I'm glad you didn't ask me to try and uh, recreate that because... <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome what uh you know we one thing we do is we interestingly gather you know what people have read or what they're reading now mm -hmm. um if there's a book or two uh, that, that you know you're reading or that you recommend a bunch is there anything yeah. that stands out i've got a, a strange one for you that okay. i really believe in it's not a believer book um i believe that all truth is god's truth and i think this guy uh, a guy by the name of edward de bono was on to something when he wrote the six thinking hats, the six thinking hats, and uh, a, a great read. Um, you know, when we're in kindergarten and we're doing whatever we're doing and and the teacher says, it's time to put your thinking hat on now. Mm. Well, he claims, makes the, uh, the point that there are really six types of thinking hats. And uh, uh, it's it's just a powerful, powerful book. It's really worth uh, worth the read. And, and anything on heaven by Randy Alcorn. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a shameless plug. Uh, there's this <laughs> book called Amphibian Diaries: A Field Guide for Truth Seekers um, that I wrote. That came out a couple of years ago. Uh, it's an epistemological fable that is the study of how we come to know something. And it's based on the premise that uh, if you know how to truthfully seek truth hmm. and you truthfully seek truth, you'll be led into God's love. So it teaches uh, the six principles of truth seeking. And it's uh, amazing. Well, I, I had fun writing it. That's, that's for sure. That's awesome. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. These are really neat. Um, a guy that we had on the podcast not that long ago, you know, recommended a book and it was a short little one and, uh, you know, it's really super powerful. So it's, it's fun to get these, you know, these, yeah, uh, insights it's a, to, it's a great how, question. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. yeah. What about, a a life verse? Is there a one that you've had that you've, you know, kind of come back to time and yeah. time again, or one maybe that's front and center? Yes. Yeah. I, um, there are so many I could choose from, but, but, uh, Hebrews 10, 14 is a verse by which I was born again, again, in Prof. Stanley, two saints class. We called him Stanley Double Saint um, at Dallas Theological Seminary in 1984. Um, I have always had a problem with self-righteousness. Um, and I knew that I'd been saved by grace, justified by grace. But I, I couldn't figure out how to, to be sanctified, to live in grace until um, Stanley Toussaint made his point from Hebrews 10, 14. It says, by one sacrifice, Jesus made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And he, he concentrated on that perfect forever statement. Um, and then I had like a charismatic moment when I felt like all the lights were, were shining on me. And it was a class of 150 guys, but 
but uh, I felt like I was the centerpiece. It was all for me. And, and uh, he said three times, remember, Jesus said, it is finished. Mm. And uh, even the work of our sanctification. So I, I'm a lover of God's grace and very grateful for it. And that verse is a centerpiece for me. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing. That's fantastic. Well, John, it's been a an absolute pleasure, you know, being able to chat with you and having you speak at um, our most recent Columbus retreat. And um, me too. Thank you. Yeah, just being able to, you know, glean some wisdom from your all of your experience and just who you are as a person. So, and having some all fun right. along the way too. All <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, as we wrap up, would you uh, mind closing us down in a word of prayer? I would love to. Thanks. Lord, um, we focus in on this, this notion of grace. It has been your plan from the start. You wanted to have free will moral agents that would love you with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. And uh, we've fallen away from you, but you proved through so many prophecies that were made hundreds of years before the fact, and you fulfilled them in your death and resurrection for us. We're so grateful for this. And I do pray for everyone listening that that uh, they would partake of your spirit of love. For those that are listening that may not know you, um, this, is, this is one of those chances to to trust that Jesus has died for you and paid for every mistake you've ever made. And, uh, and, and, and to trust that he's risen from the dead to prove that he can do it. And Lord, uh, we, would, we would pray that you'd make disciples of us, that we would love others as you've loved us. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for this ministry. I pray, pray your blessing on it in Jesus name. Amen. I was very thankful for the opportunity to chat with John. I got a lot out of this conversation and I think he did a great job of breaking down his talk, A Heart for Home. Um, just a few things I wanted to share as takeaways that I kind of jotted down uh, after our conversation. One, number one is that home is a person, Jesus, not a place. And coming into that relationship is what it's all about. Uh, I've never heard it put that way, uh, but I really like that and really stood out to me. And then second was that discipleship uh, starts at home. I think, you know, for me, sometimes I think about discipleship. Um, obviously, I think about my family, but I tend to hear and it's kind of used more in a outside the walls of your house uh, manner. You know, other, other people, people at your work, people. Uh, in business, people, whatever. And so I think just thinking about, um, you know, your wife or your kids or the, your neighbors, the people that are really close to you, your family members, um, that is super important and maybe your your first job as well. So that, that really stood out to me. And then I love how even as far along as John is, he still has someone ahead of him that is pulling him and is pushing him to grow in his faith and that he is also always investing back in others. So no matter where he is on that spectrum, he's always finding people uh, on both sides to help him get better and to teach others along the way. So, and then last but not least, uh, the two things we want to hear uh, that all of us want to hear when we get home is number one, welcome home. And second, well done. Uh, and well done meaning 
you know, faith expressing itself through love. Just really love that. Um, I thought it was an amazing conversation. I appreciate everybody listening in. Hopefully it was something that helps you sharpen your saw a little bit. And um, I encourage you to stay sharp by you know, listening to the podcast, uh, attending a retreat and sharing something that you think may be of value to somebody else. Um, don't just sit on you know this conversation or anything else that maybe you've come across with an ISI or, or outside of ISI, but pass it along and take a second to think about someone else in your, in your world and do something to help sharpen others. So without further ado, thank you. God bless. Stay sharp.